Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include change in the industry, my interview with David Battany of Guild Mortgage on current trends in the capital markets and some of the new programs his company has rolled out to drive origination, and what the trade is to open 2023. Thanks to this week's podcast sponsor, MCT, and its hedge advisory, comprehensive capital market software and services that empower secondary marketing performance. To learn more, visit mct-trading.com. I'm very happy that my life is perfect. Isn't yours? When I order scrambled eggs at the diner, the waitress says, perfect. When I pay with a credit card at the car wash, the attendant replies with, perfect. I tell the dry cleaner I like my shirts not wrapped in plastic. Perfect. (laughs) Watch out for residential lenders and their vendors. Just because the calendar turned a day or two doesn't mean rates have done much, nor margins, nor revenue. You ready for a repeat of the fourth quarter of 2022 and the first quarter of 2023? Have vendors and lenders made the necessary cuts? in sales and operations, to keep pace with industry volumes being down 50% from a few years ago? How's your tech spend as you enter 2023? Let's ask Southwest Airlines how its low-tech spend worked out. (laughs) Vendors and lenders are competing for the business and trying to stay positive, but some are throwing hands in the air and hoping to make it. Hope has never been a great strategy, and investors are seeing a number of their clients leave their delegated underwriting status and become brokers or non-delegated correspondents. Change is constant. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome to the show, Guild Mortgage's David Batney. He's Executive Vice President of Capital Markets for Guild Mortgage, overseeing the company's capital market activities, including pricing, hedging, and secondary market execution. He's responsible for Guild's credit policy, shipping and product development functions, and manages investor relationships with GSEs, government agencies, and private investors. He has more than 30 years of leadership experience in the mortgage industry, joining Guild in 2015 after serving as Chief Product Strategist for Penny Mac, responsible for managing the product development group and its relationships with Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, VA, USDA, Ginnie Mae, and mortgage insurance companies. Previously, he was with Fannie Mae for 22 years, serving as Director of Single Family Business. The narrative in 2022 largely consisted of declining margins, shrinking volume. Uh, It it wasn't a great year for the industry, but a silver lining of that was companies are focused on expanding their product box to be able to accommodate more borrowers. And I'm, I'm actually very excited to have you on because when I heard of Guild's Payment Advantage program, it seemed like it was right up that alley. So can you, can you give a little background on the uh, impetus for for you know going to the underwriters and saying we we need this and and what you hope to accomplish with it and and what it accomplishes for borrowers. Sure, and and to to your your point about the silver lining as we pivoted from probably the largest refi market ever into a purchase market, it's causing lenders to sort of dust off their product menus and and just make sure they have the right products that can really help a purchase money borrower. And also, especially in an environment like now where, where there's been such a sharp increase in rates on a relative basis to where they were a couple of years ago. So um, for us, the, the, the payment advantage 
is it's a, effectively a guild funded 1% one year buy down. And the idea is for a purchase buyer that's just facing just a tougher math challenge, both for down payment on home prices as much as it is a monthly payment, is it just gives that borrower a 1% lower rate for one year. And when you think about it, at the end of the year, the borrower basically has 1% more capital in their bank account than they did if they didn't have this program. So the two real benefits to a borrower is it just helps the affordability of the monthly payment for that first year and the amount that they save in interest payment is equal to 1%. So they're one point more cash in their bank account at the end of the year as a result of the program. So it's it's helpful to get assistance on the affordability side and for home buyers to have a little bit more cash you know, in their position so that they're able to withstand whatever curveballs life might throw at them and, and be in a stronger financial capital position. To clarify, there's the payment advantage program uh, in which Guild will pay 1% of the borrower's interest rate per year. But there's also the payment protection program, which has no lender fees. Is that that's older um, and has been around, or, or that was part of part of this? Um, they're, they're, they're separate programs, but a borrower could use them together. And so, what the payment protection program will do is it'll allow the borrower to refinance uh, in the future with, without any uh, fees or, or, or cost. So, if someone's not quite sure where rates might be going and they want to refinance in the future, it just gives them the confidence that if rates go down, they can refinance to get a lower rate and, and, and not have any you know, upfront cost to do the mortgage. So um, we can combine the two programs into one so the borrower can get both 1% down and then also the ability to refinance if rates do drop in the future. I would love for you to take me inside the sausage factory a little bit. As a as you know, secondary marketing head, are you taking these loans? And hedging them and saying that the ultimate note rate is what we're doing. Are you portfolioing them, portfolioing them for the next year? How you know how are they viable as a as an asset in the secondary market? Sure. So so these loans are being delivered, service retained to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and they're being delivered immediately. We're we're, we're not holding them in portfolio, and the the cost of the buy down account is being funded by Guild. So it's it's something we do just as the as a, as a way to sort of enhance the pricing or the attractiveness of this as a program for first time home. It's not just for first time home buyers; it's really for any home buyer. But it is literally a guild funded cost, and from a secondary perspective, it, it's going straight into a Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac delivery. Yeah, and and a lot of a lot of originators that are rolling out programs like this, they are banks and there's a value proposition of, of retaining the customer for life and, and selling them on other products. Guild's obviously an independent mortgage bank. How how are you able to, to convince leadership of the value proposition of, of doing this? You know, this is a product that that we thought would make sense from a guild perspective and from a guild leadership perspective. Um, as we've made this pivot to a purchase market, and you think about the mindset or the challenges that a first-time homebuyer faces, there's many, but the, the monthly payment, just that the rate shock of seeing rates in, in, in the high twos and low threes and seeing rates in the six and sevens, it's just, it's just a way to sort of help reduce a barrier that might otherwise cause a person to sit on the sidelines and, and not make a decision to buy a home. So, you know, this is something I don't know that will be offered forever. We're currently offering the program through the end of March. 
um, depending on the market. It, it may be continued, but it's really intended to be sort of a, addressing an immediate short-term need when rates have spiked. I think a lot of us are really hoping that as we get to 2023, that you know, if the Fed gets inflation under control, that we might see rates begin to decline a bit, and that helps improve affordability and just makes the, the, the process for a borrower you know, a little bit less onerous. I want to talk about the market and affordability beyond, hey, you know, rates rates rose drastically throughout the year. And after that run-up, we've seen them drop over the last couple of weeks, and that's helped affordability, but maybe refinance volume hasn't come back. The Fed is nearing their what what looks like their peak Fed funds rate. You know, kind of diving deeper, what are you seeing with the market? Uh, any any trends? Any reasons for optimism as we're moving forward? What, what's on your desk? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely optimistic. Um, I think as an industry, we are getting to a very important crossroads, and in the next few months, we will find out either the Fed's getting inflation under control or they're not. And, you know, the Fed's been stepping on the brakes pretty hard since June with the 75 basis point increases in June and July um, and, and later in the fall. And then, you know, the 50 they did last month or this month. Um, so I think when we have two or three, maybe four months of inflation reports that come out, if those can show a clear trend line down, then that'll give the markets confidence that the Fed strategy is working and it is bringing inflation down. Um, if we see the next several months and there is no clear down, downturn, or we see some ups and some downs, and it's, it's not really clear what direction it's going, then it's going to raise the question, you know, will Fed funds rate increases be able to tame inflation? So today the debate is, is the Fed doing too much? Are they doing too little? Are they a long enough lag effect? Because there's many economists who might think that you, know, you can't just raise the Fed funds rate and expect to see a slowdown the next month. That takes several months for the, the impact of the higher rates to sort of filter through the economy and, and slow down economic activity. So I think the next three, four months will be really key. If, if we see the inflation dropping, I think MBS investors will get confident that this is working. Um, the pressure off the Fed will be immense. Um, right now, today, they're, they're between a rock and a hard spot. If, if they step on it aggressively, they can be accused of going too much and push the country to, to a recession or a deeper recession than we needed. And if they don't do enough, they'll be accused of going too slow and letting inflation become ingrained in the economy and, and you know, be tougher, tougher to solve. So I think really the next three, four months will be key to sort of answer this question. A big problem in 2022 was the supply side destruction in the, the single family home uh, residential real estate market. And that's because people that are locked into these low rates, they say, well, if I sell my house, even if even if my kids have moved out or even if, you know, if I want to upgrade or downgrade, whatever it is, I'm going to have to maybe almost double my rate. And so there's no reason for, for me to, to list my home at this point. Uh, there's also stuff about with the, the run-up in rates, you know, borrowers can afford 60% less home or pay, you know, monthly payments are 60% higher than they were at the start of the year, those sorts of things. Are there certain metrics you are looking for where you say, okay, this should make sellers more comfortable to come back to market? Is it a certain level of rates or are there certain economic indicators? What are you looking at? Um, I think it'll be a combination of both time and rate. And, and, and I fully agree. I think the low rates will just keep a lid on homes coming to market because it gives people a good reason to sort of sit tight where they are. Um, I think that pressure, though, to want to move 
will become stronger as time goes on. Because in a post-COVID world, many people have the ability to sort of relocate where they live. For a lot of people, their previous home or their current home was sort of a compromise about where they wanted to live versus where they needed to live with respect to commute to work. So if they have the ability in their, in their current job or in a future job to be out of the office for part of the week or maybe most of the week, it, it, it opens up flexibilities. And where they want to live closer to family, live near the mountains or the beach or the desert, or live in a more tax-friendly state, the ability of people to relocate, or at least some people, is going to be a very powerful magnet that will be an opposing force to the desire just to stay put in the low rate. And so I think part of it will be time. And part of it will be what's the delta between the rate they have in the current market. So today, when you got lots of people in high twos and low threes, the idea of moving to a happier place, but going to a rates in six and sevens is a little bit daunting. Um, if, if the Fed gets inflation under control, and let's say rates start dropping and we get low sixes into the fives, get really optimistic and maybe get into the high fours, then that delta between like a high four and where a person may be now in the low threes won't be as daunting. And I also think as more time goes by, they'll, they'll think their, their emotional mindset will be like, you know what, I've lived here for a few years in this new low rate. I've gotten a few years of benefit of the low rate and, you know, I'm not getting any younger and whatever it is I want to do to be happy, whether it's closer to grandkids or favorite hobbies or whatever it might be. Um, I think that magnet pulling, pulling them to a different location will become stronger. So in, in summary, I would say I view this as sort of a short-term uh, pressure on supply. Um, but not a permanent um, limit or governor on supply. That large delta in rates has obviously depressed prepayment speeds for those lower coupons. Uh, but it's been a blessing in a way for for those with big uh, servicing books. Can you talk about the the retain versus release decisioning over the the course of the year and uh, what what's going on in the servicing market currently? I think the decision to release or retain is just a classic, you know, instant versus delayed gratification. You know, do you, would you like, or do you need to have your cash up front or can you take 25 cents a year versus a dollar up front? So um, I think as a lender or as a mortgage banker, it's, it's always great to retain if you're able to just for the fact that it gives you that macro hedge and it just gives you this nice cash flow that's counter-cyclical to origination income. And, and this couldn't be a more perfect example. So, um, so you know, the fact that we service is a very important part of our strategy and very important part of sort of having a balanced business model so that whether it's a recession or a booming economy, whether it's an up or down interest rate scenario, you have you know, good cash flows coming in to sort of help run the business and just make continued investments into your business and the technology to continue to, to improve your business. So. Um, servicing has been a very important part of our business strategy. This year, a lot of the talk was around arms, the non-QM space, companies looking into to different products. That's why I was excited to have you on to talk about the um, Guilds Payment Advantage program. As we, as we continue forward here, do you anticipate arms to stay as popular? Do you anticipate the non-QM space to to get back and and be very robust and resilient? What, what are you looking for in 2023? I think when you think about ARMS, on one hand, there's definitely an attraction to the concept of an ARM from the point of view of here's a way to get into a lower rate and get a lower monthly payment. Um, the question I would have with ARMS in terms of market time 
is you're getting a lower payment, but most arms have life caps of 6%. And there's still a lot of uncertainty in the world today. You know, most people probably argue that the, that the, the markets are betting that the Fed will get inflation under control and it'll come down, but it's definitely far from certain. And is it a 10% chance that, that inflation stays high? Is it 20? Is it five? No one really knows, but still it's a number you can't rule out. So if I was a first-time home buyer today, um, I would actually prefer, I recommend a fixed rate loan in today's world with the mindset that if for whatever reason there's a small percent chance that inflation doesn't come under control, you're protected. You know, if inflation goes to 8% and stays there for a longer time period, I think for sure mortgages would go to eight or nine or higher. So what you do if a fixed rate is you can protect yourself from the upside, but then if rates do drop, you have the ability to refinance without a prepayment penalty. So to me, a fixed rate loan in a time of uncertainty and where rates will go is, to me, it's the soundest choice. It's sort of like a heads you win, tails you win bet. So I think for that reason, fixed rate loan in this time of uncertainty is still important. Um, but it doesn't mean that, that people's interest in arms won't go away. Um, I think with the yield curve being flat or inverted, it's pretty much killing the securities market for arms. So today it's pretty much arm portfolios, depositories who have an appetite to hold the portfolio products really the only source today. Um, I think in the next coming years, as, as the Fed starts to hopefully back off Fed funds rate a bit, it starts to drop perhaps in 2024 and 2025, that the yield curve will maybe start to uh, flatten or maybe become more of a, a normal upward sloping curve. And then that would bring the arms security market back. And we'd see both Gini May arms and, and GSE arms becoming more prevalent in the market. But for the next 18 months, I would expect to be very limited arms out there other than just the portfolio arms. I want to close by asking a question geared toward sales staffs and don't don't roll your eyes at me at this. Can you explain for loan officers out there that that look at their rate sheet and say, I can't keep up with my competitors or you know why why what I'm seeing on the screen is not what I'm seeing on my rate sheet. Can you explain why that is from a, a capital markets perspective? Sure. There's no question it's a tough time to be a loan officer, both with just shrinking volumes and as mar- as lenders shrink their margins and and prices get very, very competitive. It's, it's, it, you know, people are fighting over fewer and fewer loans. So there's no question it's a tough time. And so, you know, what's been really hard too also is a lot of rate sheets don't have premium pricing. And if you think about the average cost to originate a loan as an industry with the MBA numbers, it's over $10,000. So if you assume, you know, average loan size, you know, you could probably very roughly say that's about roughly three points, depending on what you want to assume for average loan size. So in a perfect world, as a lender, if you could find a market price for either Jeannie Mae or Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac MBS, that's 103, then that three-point premium would give you enough as a lender to put a no-cost rate on your rate sheet. You could get your three points from the secondary market, and the borrower wouldn't have to bring in any cash out of their pocket to pay the three points to close the loan. So the problem we're facing today is there's really no 103 pricing out there. And to be fair, 103 means that the security price plus whatever the servicing value would be, whether you keep it or sell it. So um, I think the reason that's the case today is I think MBS investors know where to cross roads. And so even if the current coupon today is the five and a half or six that's getting the most action, um, investors know that rates probably won't be here in six months. Either the Fed gets it under control or they don't. 
If they do get it under control, rates will probably drop, and these coupons today will probably be refinancing away pretty quickly. And if they don't get inflation under control and rates go to eight or nine percent, if you buy a six or seven today, you're going to hold an underwater coupon with you know long extension period. So I think the MBS markets know that we're not in equilibrium right now, and we might be at some point in equilibrium in six months, whether rates are in the fives or sixes rates are in the eight or plus. Either way, we'll hopefully potentially be equilibrium. So that lack of premium pricing is just an extra obstacle for, for a loan officer to have to sell against about, well, here's a higher rate than you used to seen before. And by the way, you got to pay points to close this loan. Um, I think the premium pricing will improve once there's more of a sense that the markets have confidence that the Fed's got inflation under control, the Fed can kind of stabilize any future rate increases and, and things sort of um, there's less hoping and more actual facts to look at to say, yes, inflation was transitory and it's not going to be ingrained into the economy. Fantastic. David, I feel like I could talk to you all day, but uh, we're running out of time here. So I'm, I'm going to say goodbye and uh, really appreciate you making the time for me. Thank you, Robbie. It was a pleasure talking with you today. Thank you. While central banks around the world ended 2022 gaining ground on inflation due to their rate increases, U.S. Treasury yields closed 2022 on a familiar note, higher across the curve. The risk-free 10-year to U.S. Treasury was up 13 basis points for the week last week and 237 basis points for the year. There were thin trading conditions last week with people away from their desks, but most people are back for this holiday-shortened week to kick off 2023. After the Treasury market was closed yesterday in observance of the New Year's Day holiday, this week's economic calendar kicks off later today with the December S&P Global Manufacturing PMI and November construction spending. The week's economic calendar culminates with the December employment report on Friday and also includes updates on PMIs, construction spending, ADP employment, job cuts, and trade figures. FedSpeak resumes with several Fed presidents scheduled to speak, and the minutes from the December 13th and 14th Federal Open Market Committee meeting are set for release tomorrow afternoon. December agency MBS prepayments will be released after Friday's close. We begin 2023 with agency MBS prices better by a quarter to three-eighths, and the 10-year yielding 3.76 after closing 2022 at 3.88%, based on some low inflation data from Germany. Are higher rates working? Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. I gave up drinking for the new year. Sorry, that came out wrong. Commas are important. I gave up drinking for the new year. <laughs> Thanks again to today's podcast sponsor, MCT, and its hedge advisory. Comprehensive capital market software and services that empower secondary marketing performance. To learn more, visit MCT trading.com about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners access to archived commentaries and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary to listen to or download past episodes of this podcast search mortgage news on any platform you get your podcast from